So Article 11, 28 more to go, I guess. Uh, the justification of man. We are accounted righteous before God only for the merit of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by faith and not for our own works of deservings. Wherefore, that we are justified by faith is a most wholesome doctrine and very full of comfort, as is more largely expressed in the homily of justification. Now, it's been, I think, rightly said that the doctrine of the justification by faith is uh, the heart and the center of the Reformation. It is perhaps the most important uh, doctrine that was hammered out in those decades in the 16th century. Um, and just so that you understand where it says there that the, um, the doctrine is more largely expressed in the homily of justification, this is talking about the two volumes of homilies, two books of homilies uh, that Cranmer and other divines around him like John Jewell put together. The homilies were meant to give a much broader um, exposition of Christian doctrine and Christian life. And so um, what we have in the, what we have in the, uh, the prayer book is doctrine in the form of prayer and worship. Uh, what we have in the book of homilies is doctrine in the forms of in the form of uh, a more kind of pedagogical approach to it, didactic approach. Um, and it really is important to read the homilies. And I've I've um, I've tried to get various uh, people to read them, and uh, w without uh, good success all the time. But I I, I I hope that I can maybe encourage uh, people to to read them. We do have them in our library. Nathan Malcolmson right now has the copy of uh, the homilies. It's a big, fat, imposing tome. Uh, and, uh, but the sermons are really quite short. They're very short. And we're going to be looking at um, this homily of justification tonight a little bit. Well, what I thought I'd do is to begin by looking at the context of this article of the justification of, uh, by faith by rehearsing the teachings of Trent. Trent was the, was the Roman Catholic response to the Reformation. Um, relatively late, um, so the response wasn't quick, it says into the 16, 1640s, um, and, uh, but Trent really represents the, the teaching of the Roman Catholic Church in the time of the Reformation and the Anglican Church, um, and it still represents the teaching of the Anglican Church, or the Roman Catholic Church today, it hasn't changed. So let's just read through these, um, these doctrines that the articles are responding to. A, uh, Trent teaches, if anyone says that after the grace of justification has been received, to every repentant sinner the guilt is remitted, and the debt of eternal punishment is blotted out in such a way that there remains not any debt of temporal punishments to be paid in this world or in the next in purgatory before the entrance of the king to the kingdom of heaven can be opened let him be anathema <clears throat> that is let him be accursed is the is the understanding here so if you think that justification can be granted in such a way so that your guilt is wholly remitted if that's your belief then you are to be considered accursed um, 
Now, the Roman Catholics rightly believe that no unclean thing shall enter into heaven. They rightly believe that. Um, but how you get to the place of being clean is very, very different. There's a wide, fixed gulf. Now, I'm not going to say that that Roman Catholics are, are, <laughs> are outside of the compass of God's mercy. That's not the point of this. It's just to say that the gulf is wide indeed. It's very wide, and we have to recognize that. Um, so, uh, B, if anyone says that good works are merely the fruits and the signs of justification obtained, not a cause of the increase of justification, let him be anathema. Now, note here this phrase, the increase of justification. In the Roman Catholic mind, justification is process. That's crucial. Uh, and the reformers will, will react sharply against that, uh, this idea that there can be any, term, any kind of process in justification. Um, C, if anyone says that the grace of justification is only attained by those who are predestined unto life, let him be anathema. Here, uh, clearly teaching against the doctrine of election. D, if anyone says that justifying faith is nothing else but confidence in the divine mercy, which remits sins for Christ's sake alone, let him be accursed. If your hope is just in the mercy of God, <laughs> may God strike you down. May you be cursed for hoping surely in the mercy of God. Um, you see how, how, how distant it is, how wide it is. You wonder, some people wonder why, why the reformers uh, were, were so uptight about, <laughs> about doctrine and why they, why they would uh, be so resolved on this teaching as to be tied to a stake and to be burned. It's because the church at the time was teaching that if your hope is just in God's mercy, you are accursed. Um, and... Uh, they had good reason for their for their earnestness in the t at the time. <clears throat> e, if anyone says that grace whereby we are justified is just the favor of God, let him be anathema. F, if anyone says that all our works done before justification are truly sins, or merit the hatred of God, let him be anathema. So here. Uh, the teaching of the church was that outside of the of the compass of of, uh, of justification, we can do works that are truly pleasing to God. Now that raises a whole lot of questions, right? That if if outside of the compass of justification we can please God, then it 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 opens up the door for thinking about the wide world and every every uh, person doing whatever they whatever they're doing it opens up the idea that the world at large is pleasing god god looks down and he's pleased by many at least not by all but by many that's possible and it doesn't take into account what isaiah says about our righteousness which god says filthy rags yeah it's filthy it's filthy in my in my sight um now uh, all of this, all of this teaching in the Roman Catholic Church from Trent, it, it's all based on on an understanding of of the human condition of sin. 
And the reformers thought that the Romans had a very low view of sin, it, that they thought too much about the, uh, about the human individual. And that's why the doctrine of depravity is so very important to understanding grace, um, as we shall see. So there's a great gulf. There's a great gulf between Roman and Protestant teaching. Now look at Hooker. Hooker, Richard Hooker. Um, Richard Hooker, 1554 to 1600, he is one of the, um, not only the greatest Anglican theologians, but Hooker is just one of the greatest theologians, Hooker, uh, uh, period. Um, in fact, if you, if one of the, one of the wonderful things about the Anglican tradition is that it, the Anglican tradition houses a great galaxy of theological giants. There are so many theological giants, not only Hooker, um, uh, Perkins in that time, you know, St. Paul, all of these, uh, all of these great the theologians belong, um, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's something to be very uh, thankful for. Look what Hooker says. He says, wherein do we disagree? This is now the Catholics and R Romans, Romans and uh, Anglican or Protestants. Wherein do we disagree? We disagree about the nature of the very essence of the medicine whereby Christ cureth our disease, about the manner of applying it, about the number and the power of means which God requires in us for the effectual applying thereof to our soul's comfort. This is the mystery of the man of sin. This maze the Church of Rome doth cause her followers to tread when they ask her the way of justification. That Rome leads people through a maze to, to lose them, to, to get lost. Um, and W.H. Uh, Griffith Thomas here writes, the fact is that Rome teaches forgiveness through sanctification, while scripture teaches sanctification through forgiveness. And uh, I think that's what we'll see tonight as we consider, we consider this, uh, this doctrine together. So, what is justification? Justification, simply put, is to be accounted or declared or treated as righteous. It's not to be righteous. Justification is not to be righteous. That's critical in understanding the doctrine. It's not to be righteous. It does not um, pertain to our moral state before God or our moral quality. It pertains to God's declaration. Um, now, the one of the most important parables. Can anyone think of the of Jesus' most pertinent parable to the doctrine of justification, which states that it's not about moral worth or moral um, status, but it's about declaration. Jesus taught a parable about it. The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, right? The tax collector, Pharisee is thanking God for all that he is and all that he isn't. I thank you that I'm not like those Arminians over there, right? I thank you that I'm not like these or those. He is boasting of his moral worth. I tithe. I, I do all these things. The tax collector comes in and he laments his absence of moral worth. And it's the man who declares that he's morally unfit. And Jesus says the tax collector walks away justified rather than the Pharisee. And so justification doesn't have to do with our moral worth. It has to do with how God declares us or how God treats us. 
so Romans 4, 5, And to the one who does not work but trusts him, who justifies the un ungodly, his faith is counted, <clears throat> Paul says, as righteousness. It's reckoned. It's understood by God. It's taken to be as righteousness. Um, without righteousness being resident in the person. Again, uh, Griffith Thomas says, Justification concerns our standing. Sanctification concerns our state. Sanctification admits of degrees. We can be more or less sanctified. Justification has no degrees, but it's complete, perfect, and eternal. So we can never be more justified or less justified. They're just justified. Just right standing with God, um, even though all of us will have various degrees of sanctification. <clears throat> and that's true. Uh, declared righteousness, third point here, declared righteousness, therefore, restored uh, means means, uh, restored to full relationship with God. We also rejoice, this is Romans 5, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Now, in, in the New Testament, reconciliation and justification are understood to be um, uh, two sides of the same coin. Because justification means the restoration of right relationship to God. Justification brings me into, into immediate, into effectual, right um, uh, communication with God. He becomes my father being justified. Um, <clears throat> and so whenever we see that term reconciliation, we are to understand Paul talking about, about justification, God bringing us into a right state before him. It is important that we, uh, without belaboring it tonight, it's important that we, underst we understand how God abhors sin to such a degree that sin does indeed keep us from relationship with him. God cannot commune with his creature in the state of sin. And until God justifies uh, through Christ, <clears throat> there can be no relationship with God whatsoever. And so all of the, all of the uh, various brands of New Age mysticism that posit some manner of relationship to God through you know, talking or singing to the squirrels in the forest or whatever it is. It, it has no basis whatsoever because God cannot relate to the sinner. This is something I think that we just, I don't know when we lost it, but at some point we lost it, that we, we lost our nerve to talk about God's hatred for sin. Um, it, you know, as my soul lives, God says, my soul hates divorce. <laughs> hates, he hates it. Um, and we've lost our nerve to talk about God's hatred for the sinner and uh, the absolute fixed gulf between God and the sinner um, and there being zero relationship there uh, until Christ bridges that gap. And I think that we need to regain that uh, ability to speak to these things. Um, so it is a declaration. It's, it's, it's a, an, an act. It's not a state. Uh, B... It's, a, um, it's a, a standing that the believer enters into at the beginning of the spiritual experience, not midway through. Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is, the peace begins when the justification begins. It, it, it's the beginning of the Christian life. And as, uh, again, Griffith Thomas says, justification covers the whole of the Christian life from beginning to end. Luther here, point C, Luther talks about justification being an instantaneous thing. And this is very important. You should see those two, John, those two German phrases there. Auf einmal and stucklich. Stucklich means, means bit by bit, piece by piece. Um, auf einmal means uh, at once. And so Luther will compare, compare justification to marriage. You don't get married gradually. You get married. Marriage puts you into a state, and that 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 relationship, of course, grows and develops. Um, but you're married. You're either married or you're not married. And you're not you're not more married. Forty years down the road, right? You're as soon as that pronouncement is made. I and it's a declaration. Right? I declare you husband and wife. You are as married then as you will be when you're you know in your eighties. With no teeth, and you can't hear each other, and all those things. Um, not, not, uh, not auf, not, not stuchlich, but auf einmal, at all at once, and it's it it's never improved upon. You're never more a child of God. You're never more loved. You're never more cherished. God, as as soon as that standing happens, you are God's. The, the precious to God. Um, we think that, we do think, we, we have a temptation to think that if I, when I grow in maturity, when I become, when I grow in my sanctification, God, you know, my kind of, my, my relationship to God becomes better. <laughs> my relationship to God becomes more profound. And even though even though our our you know our imaging of God in sanctification we become more like Christ because more profound. My relationship to him cannot become more profound than it is at the very first moment he declares me righteous. And we we have a hard time we have a hard time with this thinking that you know when we when we screw up or when we fail God somehow that he is um, uh, that he is uh, no less pleased with us then than he is when we're we're just kind of flying high in our in our moral um, conquests. We have a hard we have a hard time with this. Um, Romans five nine. Romans five nine. We have now been uh, justified by his blood. We shall much more be saved by him. Uh, from the wrath of God. Now look here, the word justified here is in the aorist participle. So in the Greek, that simply means it cannot denote progress, but in that aorist tense, it's stating simple fact. It's a fact. Justification is always a fact. Um, it's never something that has any kind of progress whatsoever. D... Justification is the very opposite of condemnation. Paul says this in Romans 8, 33. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? 
Christ Jesus is the one who died. Um, so there's nothing in this life, neither God nor, nor man nor devil, who can possibly lay any condemnation against those who are justified. Um, and the, the idea here, again, and, and this, is, this is kind of the ABCs of the, the Christian faith, but that Christ has lived the law. He lived the perfectly righteous life, and he uh, suffered in our stead, was punished in our stead. God, therefore, is able to, uh, to pronounce us righteous and, and, um, and uh, perfect before him. Number three, how do we receive justification? How do we do it? How do we get it? Well, it's by faith. Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith, Paul says in Romans 3. And then again, just uh, a few verses later, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. God, Romans 3, next verse, God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ, Galatians 2.16. And finally, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. Galatians 3.25. Now, the question that I think is, is very pertinent here is that, is that um, where does the faith come from? And a number of people began to think that faith is another kind of work. We're not saved by works, but we are saved by faith. And uh, the Reformers were quick to instruct people that even faith, this, this means by which God's uh, righteousness comes to us, uh, even faith itself is no kind of work uh, that we perform. A couple of quotes here. John Preston John Preston says, faith empties a man. It takes a man quite off his own bottom. That's a great line, eh? Faith takes a man quite off his own bottom. Faith cometh as an empty hand, and it receiveth all from God, and it gives all to God. That is, faith is nothing but, but uh, a receiving grace, they would say. So, Faith has, has a large passive sense to it. It simply passively receives from God. It does have an active sense too that they talk about, but faith is essentially passive for these reformers. And then uh, this is Thomas Goodwin. Now Goodwin was Preston's disciple. Goodwin says, because faith is not of a man's self, so faith doth not look to a man's self. And just the line below that explaining that, because faith is a gift... And because faith is nothing but a capacity to be filled, it prevents the recipient of justification from boasting. If faith were our own in any sense, then we could boast that we've somehow conjured up this ability to, to lay hold of God's gift in a way that our neighbor couldn't. I found that when I've, when I've had conversations with those of the Arminian persuasion, um, and I've asked them, well, what makes you to um, differ from your neighbor who didn't receive Christ? And I said, well, you're both sinners? Well, yes. 
you know you both you both lived outside of uh of the uh, the rule and the, the 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 commandments of God yes well why did you respond and your neighbor did well I you know I, I had faith that kind of thinking leads to a very necessary kind of boasting if we don't recognize that it's God's gift and look what Paul says in Ephesians 2 8 for by grace you have been saved through faith and then he says he adds this qualification and this is not your own doing it is the gift of God that is the faith, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. Paul says the, the, the important line there, so that no one can boast. Um, so the faith is a gift. It's an empty hand that receives, and God has designed it in that way, as the Reformers taught, so that no boasting could be possible before him. Um, I like what... what uh, the homily. So this is the homily that the article talks about, the homily of the salvation of mankind. Faith, uh, the sermon says, is like John the Baptist. Our faith in Christ says to us, it is not I that takes away your sins, but is Christ only. And to him only I send you for that purpose. So faith, faith says, I must decrease, he must increase. Faith is always pointing away from itself and is pointing to Christ. Um, I think this is very very crucial in a number of ways, but um, you know, we, we tend to talk about people of great faith, right? We tend to talk about people of great faith as if, as if uh, they conjured it up themselves. But faith is never to be boasted of. It's always the gift of God. Number four, what is the relationship of justification by faith to the law? What is the relationship of, of uh, justification to the law? Justification frees us to love God's law and to obey it with the right motivation. That is love and gratitude. Justification now frees me to obey from the right, uh, pers right uh, uh, motivation rather than through servile fear. Uh, justification now lets me do it gladly. God is concerned with motives. He always wants right motives. God loves the cheerful giver. Um, and um, there, are, there are a number of uh, teachers who arose who took the justification by faith and who, who ran with it. These were called antinomians, those who were against the law, nomos, Greek for law. And even in Paul's day, he dealt with them. So if we look at Romans 6, 1, Paul, Paul uh, anticipates a response. He's probably heard this already in the church. Are we to continue in sin? Now, sin in Paul's mind is lawlessness. Sin is, is being without the law, always, uh, across the New Testament. Um, and uh, are, should we continue in sin that grace may abound by no means? How can we who have died to sin, we who have died to sin, still live in it? Romans 6, 1 to 2. Um, and uh, there's, there's no um, way whatsoever that the law has become unnecessary to the Christian. Law is never done away with. And I, I you know, you, you probably know some, some spheres in the church where 
people uh, frown upon the law? Why would they do that? Why would people frown upon the law? What's the reason? What scriptural, what scriptural incentives do people have to frown upon the law? Do you think? Well, considering this Old Testament and passages like Galatians are no longer under the law. Right. So, so we have, it's the Old Covenant, right? The, the Old Mosaic Code that was against us. And that's kind of, that's, uh, and now we have a new, a new Testament with a new commandment, right? Jesus, a new commandment I give you. Um, and Paul's language about the law, that, that uh, um, uh, we are no longer bound to the law, but we are free in grace. And so people have taken that now and said, well, we, just, we don't need the law because we are, we are creatures of grace. Um, and that's one of the greatest mistakes um, that we can make because the, the grace does not free us from our duty to the law doesn't free us from our duty to the law. Look at this here. Look at, look at um, the third point on the last page, or in four. The homily's concern, this, again, the homily's concern about antinomianism. Faith does not shut out repentance. Hope, love, dread, and the fear of God uh, to be joined with faith in every man that is justified, but it shuts them out of the office of justifying. So that uh, all these things, the fear of God, repentance, the dread of God, love and duty to God, these things are no longer things that we seek to be justified by God with. Um, and that little uh, point here, we are most bounden to serve God in good deeds, commanded by Him in Holy Scripture, but we may not do them to this intent to be made just by doing them. That's the mistake. Uh, we are no longer allowed to perform or obey God's law seeking to be justified by them. Where we do that, we are in error. Where we do that, we begin to turn away from the gospel. But the gospel actually propels us into obedience of the word and obedience of, of the commands. Now, I've, I've, I've often wondered why it is that the average Christian can't recite the Ten Commandments. I don't get it. Like, I honestly don't get it. Because grace should make us love them more. <laughs> Grace teaches us now because we love God and we're thankful to God and we're rejoicing in what God's done for us. Uh, you know what? What, what um, love towards someone makes the act different, right? When you do something out of the wrong motivations or begrudgingly, when you do something begrudgingly, the act changes. Have you ever received... Not that I have, but have you ever received an act from your spouse done begrudgingly or an act done with, with love and admiration and cheer? It's a different thing. The act may be the same, but it changes on the basis of the motivation. And Christians of all people 
should be, should be those who obey the law with the greatest zeal and delight and passion and joy. And they should be the ones who are saying, like the psalmist, it's sweeter than honey to love you, Lord, with all my heart. It's sweeter than honey to love my neighbor. Um, but somehow the church, even in Paul's day, has been infected with this idea that grace um, means that I don't need to kind of think about the commandments. So here's what I think. Here's what I think. And here's the final, the final point here. Why and how we continue to teach the law. Um, we do need to be a people um, to whom the commandments of God are very evident and real and near to us. Um, and that we are um, constantly seeking to, um, to obey these commandments with, uh, with great gladness of heart and delight. And uh, I think that the answer is, for, for me at least, I think that the answer is very clear in how to do it. Anybody anticipate what I might say about how we, how we become a people who are, who are affectionately keeping the commandments of God? It's not through, I, I mean, it is through familiarity with the commandments. No other gods before me, says the Lord. You shall not make any idols. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Remember, oh, here's the one that we don't actually keep any. <laughs> here's the one we just snip out, right? Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy? Honor your father and mother, and it will go well with you. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. Uh, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Don't say bad things about your neighbor. You notice how there the, the emphasis of the commandment is don't say bad things about your don't 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 rake your neighbor through the mud falsely. It's about protecting your neighbor. Um, and then you shall not want your neighbor's donkey, right? Or Don't. Horse wife. <laughs> <Or his> wife. <laughs> Horse car. Horse driveway. <laughs> <laughs> we do. I, I, I think that we need, we need, and I, you know, we sometimes for family devotions afterwards, we'll sit around the table and I'll ask the kids, we'll go around in a circle, what's the first commandment? What's the second commandment? What does it mean? What does it mean? What does this mean? You know, and um, we we teach our kids. These are God's commandments for us. They're not. They're not peripheral. They're not secondary. This is what He wants. Uh, how He wants us to live. And I haven't done. I haven't done it for a while at Christ Church. But it is important that we teach our little kids to know the law. They have to know it because it's God's express commandment for us. But I think that it's the it's the the developing the gladness of heart. Develop, de developing the, the thankfulness to God is going to be the key to performing this law well. And that has to come out of a consistent, perpetual meditation on the cross of Jesus Christ. That is, the, we, we, we become enamored with the love of God in the cross. Uh, we become the kind of people who are able to uh, be so in, uh, exhilarated about our justification. 
that we begin to obey the commandments of God with great cheer and with great, great, great zeal and delight. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I do think, and, and here's a, I, th- I feel a challenge to me, the doctrine of justification by faith has to be part of our, our churches and our kind of individual witness and meditation. But the proclamation of the church, the kerygma, it's very easy to drift away from the doctrine of justification by faith. That's what we should be proclaiming all the time. And, you know, uh, Richard Hooker, to get back to Hooker, I once, uh, with some friends, wanted to start a hooker club, but I, I didn't think that would be very uh, fitting. Uh, but the, the Richard Hooker says that, um, that uh, I care for no other thought than this, that God has become the sinfulness of man, and, um, and man has become the righteousness of God. That's it. Like that's the, 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 the doctrine of justification by faith through Christ's suffering, we become the righteousness of God. That's a challenge for me as a preacher, but in us for as a church, that, that's the constant message. Because if the if the right and worthy obedience is a response to our gladness in 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 uh, in, the, in our justification, we need to make that message the focus of all we that we do or else we slip into kind of we slip into finger wagging right we we every sunday is just do a little harder get a little better a little more witnessing each one can win one just go out and do it but if 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 the bulk of our message is the doctrine of justification by faith god has freely justified us in his love and mercy then i think we'll become the people that we ought to be uh, and that's a that's a great challenge for us.